Hello and welcome to Teaching English with the British Council Series 2. A podcast in which we try and provide solutions to some of the key questions being asked by English teachers around the world. Teaching English with the British Council. We are your hosts, we am Hamdan and Chris Salton. In each episode, we address one such question and attempt to answer it in two ways. Teaching English with the British Council. In the first part of each episode, we hear from a British Council project, programme or publication about something which is being done to address this issue. Across the 10 episodes of Series 2, we'll hear from teachers, trainers and researchers in a wide range of contexts, including Ukraine, Romania, Egypt and the United Kingdom. Teaching English with the British Council. In the second part, a leading English expert and practitioner will provide practical solutions which you can immediately try out wherever you work. Each episode of Teaching English is accompanied by a full transcript and show notes. These show notes provide additional information, a glossary of keywords, and links to relevant websites. Teaching English with the British Council. This is episode 10. What are your top tips for teaching English? Our last episode in this series will be a bit different, so we have 19 ELT practitioners who will share with us their top tips in English language teaching. We've put these tips into five categories which we'll explore throughout the episode. My top tip would be to really listen to what our students say. I think too often in the English language classroom, and I've definitely been guilty of this myself, We're just too focused on hearing students, whether they're using the right words, the right grammatical form, but we don't actually listen to the things that they're saying, the actual content that they're saying. And for many students, actually sharing those views, sharing their thoughts is a really, really big thing. We're not really listening to what they're saying. They're going to not be motivated next time to actually say what is on their mind. I totally agree with you, Chris. One tip I would share with others is to do more with less. So instead of spending hours preparing for a lesson, you can do a lot more with less content or less materials. And one way to do this is to capitalize on the information provided by students on the emerging language that comes in the class. Ali did say this, how can I say it in a different way? So it's it's all about just using what the students say to inform the content in the classroom. I think you're right. I think too often we and inspectors and so on focus too much on the performative aspects of teaching rather than looking at student experience and learning outcomes those should be really the only two drivers of good English language education or indeed I think any kind of education. So in our first set of clips we're going to look at the importance of personalization and context. What are my top tips for teaching English? Namaste I'm Bhavna an ELT professional based in Mumbai India. For me, a real English lesson teaches about language and life in order to make connections with the real world. And stories are one of the best ways to do that. 
I use stories to teach the two S's of language, the skills and the systems, and have now introduced a third S, society, where I look for opportunities to talk about topics like climate action, inclusion, poverty, gender equality, social-emotional learning, and much more. I adopt the three S's framework, skills, systems, and society, in my storytelling and in all my lessons, so that I can prepare my learners to become emotionally intelligent global citizens who will create a better world for themselves and for others. Hi everyone, my name is Raya Bughazaleh and my top tip for teaching English is making things personal. Instead of trying to get your students interested in what you're teaching, be interested in them. It's often overlooked how learners not only aim to understand English speakers, but also want to be understood themselves. So, pick relatable material and design lessons based on your students' own interests by using personally relevant examples or questions. Instead of distant scenarios related to the target culture and the target experience only. For example, avoid talking about airport travel if your students have yet to travel abroad. Alternatively, you could discuss the transport they used to get to your class that day. This will make them want to engage and have them learn the ways in which they can express themselves and communicate their own ideas. Hi, I'm Tiff Griffin and my tip is to really get to know your students. They may be learners at language, but they're not learners at life. Back in the mists of teacher training, we learn about student motivation, but go deeper. Every face in front of you has a backstory and a future beyond the face at the desk and the pen in their hand. Get to know your students. Never assume. Who they are is inextricably linked to why they're sitting in front of you. Share who you are and if they feel seen as individuals by a teacher who's taken time to understand them and who believes in them, well then you're pulling in the same direction, not dragging a grammar book uphill. Teaching language is teaching communication. Let's focus on language use as being understood and remove the pressure of perfection. We're learning how to say things. Take time to ask, who are you? What do you want to talk about? And where do you want to be? How do I know this works? I got to know my students and I asked them. So we have Tiff mentioned about dragging a grammar book uphill. Have you ever felt like that in your teaching? When you're following a certain syllabus, sometimes you often forget about personalizing the material because you just want to go through a book and finish the exercises. But we need to keep in mind that your audience and how to make their experience more personalized. It's a conversation almost, isn't it, between the students and teachers about that, that we can teach the same material that's in the book, but perhaps we can do it in a different way. I think Raya said something similar, didn't she, about, about airport travel, mm-hmm. where I think Raya's based in Palestine and yeah. I think you know for a lot of students there it's simply not uh, possible for them to, to travel on an aeroplane so it's about making that relevant to their context. And a lot of the times the materials created by ELT is created by professionals who maybe don't know much about a context. I was also struck by something Tiff said about students not being learners of life. I remember in episode three Laura there she said that beginner learners are not beginner thinkers and I think you know that's the message we heard early on in this series and I think it's a it's a really important message to be reminded of as we as we come to the end.
Yes, and it's not just that they they want to express complex ideas sometimes, complex complex thoughts. That's why it comes across as a difficult task to learn a language because you'd be thinking to yourself, how am I going to express this notion and this and that in a different language? So a lot of it is learning how to think. And the theme of the second clip is on criticality. Hi, I'm Rose Aylett, and my top tip for teaching English is to approach the teaching and learning materials we use in our classrooms from a critical perspective. So this means when looking at our course materials, written or audio texts or visual or moving images, for example, we can ask some simple but really important questions. These are questions like, in what way are the materials biased? Who's included in them and who is excluded from them? How are the different characters represented? Are they in positions of power or are they disempowered? And if so, why are they portrayed in this way? And what assumptions lie behind these representations? What are the implications? Sometimes these questions can be very difficult, even uncomfortable for us to answer. But the more we engage in critical materials analysis as teachers, the better we'll be able to support the development of our students' own critical literacies, something that's becoming increasingly important in the world today. My name's Scott Thornbury. I really believe that nothing can change life in the classroom so much as questions. The way you ask questions, who asks the questions? So my tip for you is, for any question that you ask where possible, follow it up with a question like, how do you know that? So for example, if you're doing an exercise, what's the answer to number one? Yes, Juan, the answer is, I went to the shops yesterday. Good, but how do you know that? Or, you know, what's the capital of Peru? Lima, good. Well, how do you know that? That seems to me a really good way of starting a conversation about learning and about language. So I hope that is something that you can integrate into your teaching. I'm Chris Thorne, and my tip for teachers is to include reflection within every lesson. We can do that simply by asking students to think about and note down or leave themselves a voice note or to discuss with a partner the thing that they found most important or most useful from the lesson and why that is so important for them and also a question that the lesson has left them with. It could be to do with the language or maybe some of the topics that have been explored. Those questions can be really useful for, for you as a teacher to identify things to go into and explore a little bit more in future lessons, but also for the students themselves as it encourages them to find answers to their own questions. Okay, lots of nice ideas there, Wayam. What were your feelings on that? Being critical is very important in today's world because students are faced with a lot of resources. They need to evaluate whether this is effective or not. And sometimes when you just ask them a question like, how do you know that? Or a question that you thought about when we discussed this topic, it's more of a directed way to draw their attention to, you know, maybe some thoughts that they are scared to express yeah and what i really liked about the three contributors here is that they're really looking at critical thinking as something much deeper 
and more profound and essential to being a learner. I think sometimes critical thinking in textbooks is presented as another skill to learn and to acquire and to demonstrate knowledge of. But I think here the three speakers are really looking at how it can become a part, a fundamental part of your identity as a learner. And in the previous section, we also mentioned that we you teach them how to think. So critical thinking is, you know, an important aspect to that, teaching them how to ask questions and also how to answer questions that are raised. And in set three, we look at humanistic approaches to teaching language. Hello everyone, I'm Daria Artsimieva, an English teacher from Ukraine. It is my belief that the most important thing we can do for our students every day is to make them happy. So please, find their favorite quiz, song, video, game, whatever, and spend up to five minutes playing, watching, singing, doing whatever they would like to do together with you. If you can make at least one student happier, it means that you make a difference. So, let's enjoy our superpower because we are great teachers. Hello, my name is Gaina Nikolina and I am an English teacher from Romania. I usually use different classroom tips and strategies for my English language learners. First of all, I focus on creating a safe learning environment for my students in order to make them feel safe and supported to express themselves. I always try to connect with my students and find out their needs and their interests too. I plan and create engaging lessons by incorporating the interest of my students into the lessons or sometimes I incorporate some technology in order to keep them engaged and interested in the subject. I use all the time games, uh, group work, interactive activities in order to practice vocabulary and communication skills. And last but not least, I always try to inject some fun into my classes. Hello everyone. My name is Aksana Lozhnikova. First of all, I would speak about the atmosphere you create in your classroom. Uh, because your students might not remember something from the materials you teach them, but they would definitely remember how you make them feel. So make sure they feel comfortable, relaxed, and at the same time concentrated on the material. And to organize that, in my humble opinion, we need to be ourselves a lot of buzzwords, a lot of stigmas about around the personality of a teacher. A teacher must be beautiful, a teacher must be wearing something really cool clothes and so on and so forth. But honestly, this is not true. You need to be yourself. You cannot be a machine, you are a human being. So it's like in your own family, you want your children to love you and to understand you. I think the same needs to happen in the classroom. So this is my number one tip. 
My name is Rania Halabi, and my top tip would be to create a safe learning environment for our learners. Uh, a learning environment where students are motivated to learn, where mistakes are considered learning opportunities. I believe learning a foreign language requires students to be risk takers because they are already fluent in their own language, but they need to experiment with a new vocabulary and new structures and even new pronunciation. This can be done by building good relation with our students, a relation based on trust and respect, respecting their needs and differences. In turn, they trust that we are there to help them reach their potential. And this requires a lot of patience and empathy from the teacher. But once this has been established, our students will be ready to get engaged with our lesson plans and activities and even the homework that we set for them. Hi, my name is Stephen Manda, and my main tip is to trust the learners. Trust that they understand more than you think they do. Um, don't assume that they don't know, um, because learners can surprise us. But also trust them to work together without you, and do things and get on with things in the classroom without you. And um, This can include speaking together without you, learning about grammar without you. If you trust them, you will listen more to them and adapt your lessons to their needs and interests and put them first and think about them rather than what you want to teach or do in the class. If you trust them as well, learners become more responsible and you can hand more things over to them. They're also more comfortable with taking risks and trying out things um, that they wouldn't try out normally. Taking into consideration the humanistic side of learning a language, I think, is very important. This might be the only space where, let's say, maybe adult students have space to express themselves. So sometimes we don't have this outlet and the English language classroom can be a place for you to be yourself and express yourself. And it is our role as educators to adhere to that humanistic side by making students feel safe, by making this experience pleasurable and by trusting your learners can make a huge difference in the in the classroom. Yeah, I think that word trust is absolutely crucial in these discussions, really. Without trust, I don't think there can be good language learning because to speak in a different language is a scary thing. It is an anxiety-provoking thing. And if students don't trust the teacher, other students, they're never going to go beyond safe talk. They're never going to go, they're never going to push themselves or extend themselves. They're going to stay within the language that they know and if they really want to develop, that's not the approach that they need to take. And so that humanistic approach can really help with language learning outcomes as well as experience. And it can start by something very simple, like how do you feel? In clip four, we look at different forms of social media and how they can be used in language teaching. My name is Laura Phelps and my top teaching tip is to use more photographs in class, whether that's something that you've taken from the internet or a newspaper or maybe like pictures of your local area or uh, photos that students have on their own phones. 
and they just seem to generate so much authentic discussion and you, you kind of get this really rich emergent language that you can deal with um, and there's so many activity types that you can do with photographs learners can describe them or they can compare them um, they can speculate about what's happening in them or what's about to happen. They can talk about personal experiences related to them. There's just there's all sorts. I mean, sometimes I've I've gone into a lesson with just a couple of images, and two hours later we're still we're still talking about them. We're still dealing with the with the language that's come out of them, and it saves a lot of time on planning. So it's a win all round. So my top teaching tip is to use more photographs in class. Hello, this is Sergio Duran. And I think a good tip I can give is to use social media to teach English, especially Twitter. Get two or three tweets about a certain topic and use them for reading comprehension. There is nothing more authentic than that. Short, concise and straightforward language that learners read all the time anyway. Everybody has access to Twitter. It is cheap and interesting as learners are usually keen on learning about real trends. Have you ever used photos in the classroom, I am? Yes, I'm a visual learner and I like to use photos and pictures. I think in many cases, pictures can capture both feelings and action and descriptive language. So it is a great source to learn a language and it's a great source for teachers I, I completely agree and I've used photos a lot in my teaching and training before. I think using non-verbal ways of starting verbal interactions can be really, really effective. It can be sometimes when we start with the language, that can be quite scary for mm -hmm. some students. But if we start with something that is visual, it might be, say, a photo, a picture in the newspaper, an emoji, whatever it may be, but it starts the process in a sort of gentler way. And I think it's a real way of promoting inclusivity in your classroom as well, because it brings in all students, whatever their levels, whatever their interests, it can be a, a good starting point. I think pictures are very much relatable. So when you show them a picture, say, how do you feel about this picture? What do you see in this picture? It can be a way to break the ice also and to raise their confidence. I think people often get have more confidence in talking about pictures than they do about text. I think text is still seen as such a... a an important part of of life and people sometimes feel reluctant to question text or to criticize text but they're much more likely to talk openly I think about something visual. Yes social media is also very relatable Twitter in specific but also other platforms can be relatable these days so the tool differs but towards the same aim. Absolutely there's no harm in you know for example homework is often a, a problem in whatever part of the world we care to look at and actually saying to students well rather than doing this set of closed questions on the present continuous or whatever it may be as homework it's saying well make a, a tiktok video about the present continuous show your understanding in this way use a form a medium that you are comfortable with that you know more than me about and this can be a way of showing your understanding of this topic. If it's you don't know about that topic, then I can help you with something I know more about. So it can be a quite a good leveller in the classroom as well.
Yeah, and Twitter also has a lot of critical content sometimes, people commenting on certain topics. So it's specifically good for adult students and also to spark that conversation around critical issues or sensitive uh, matters. And the last theme of our tips is pedagogy. I'm Alejandra Gomez, and I would like to share with you all a tip when you deliver uh, online sessions, online classes. It's very important to have a very comfortable chair, to be in a nice, well-ventilated and with good light uh, room so that you can be as comfortable as possible and also to have a glass of water because you will need it throughout your lesson. Also, it's important that you have some time uh, to do short breaks to walk around, not to stay all the time sitting. Hi, my name is Richard Chin and here is my top tip. Listen very, very carefully to your learners and don't just listen for the errors. Listen for what they're trying to say and then from there you can help reformulate what they're trying to say in order to help them uh, say what they want to say in a more effective way. So I think for me, um, I've watched a lot of teaching over the years and I've done a lot of teaching myself. I'm more and more convinced that, you know, we've got to focus on meaning in the classroom because if that's the, the key function of language, which is communicating thoughts, feelings and beliefs, then that's what we've got to focus on in the classroom. And listening is key. Hello, lovely people. This is Bayan Haddad. So one piece of advice I personally use is word recycling which means if I see a word I like, I write it down and I visit it at different times, especially before I go to bed. And then over time, this word becomes part of my internal dictionary. Another method I use in learning English is the chunking, which means I study language in context. So if I, I study groups of words together, really, instead of one single word. For example, I don't only study the word recovery alone. I learned the entire sentence, I wish you a speedy recovery, as one chunk or one piece. And I find that it makes learning English easier for me. Hello, I am Ala Aladini, and I want to share you this tip regarding inclusive education. So, uh, to be fair, in your teaching is to give every learner what he or she needs and what learning suits him or her and to use appropriate assessment tools. And we should know that not all students need to learn in the same way and not all students need to achieve the same things, but all students need to be supported to achieve according to the fullest potential. So we can use different tools of assessment in the classroom. So again, some nice ideas there, we have a range of different pedagogical approaches that we can use to uh, make our teaching effective. Uh, any there that stood out for you? I think the word cycling one, learning language as a chunk, this is how I tend to learn another language. 
And by repeating that multiple times, or sometimes I had my students repeat that, or what we call it, drilling, it provides uh, a chance to learn connected speech, for example. Also, inclusivity in assessment, that is a, a, a very good tip, because we often teach to assess, unfortunately. Yeah, what I thought was also interesting with all of these four approaches is it's very much focusing on the kind of language, the kind of approach that supports students in using the language in real life, in real life situations, in meaningful context. So not just learning English in order to pass an exam, in order to get to the next stage. You know, we're actually seeing how English can be used as a way uh, of engaging with the world around rather than just as as getting a particular score on a on a test. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of series two of Teaching English with the British Council. Our thanks to all our many, many contributors across the 10 episodes of this series. We're very grateful for your time, knowledge and expertise that you shared. And also many thanks to the British Council for the continued support in promoting good language teaching with teachers worldwide. Wayam, this is your first experience of running a podcast uh, how's it been? It's been a pleasant experience with you, Chris. Well, thank you. Uh, I've been wanting since so long to engage in such a conversation. And I think any teacher or maybe a group of teachers in their schools and their place of work can engage in similar conversations. So it's not just me and you having a conversation. It could be anyone Um yeah. Exactly. I think it's about promoting dialogue, sharing ideas, listening to other people, but then very importantly, doing things with that knowledge, not just keeping that in our head. I think too much training, too much knowledge just sometimes sits in our brains and we don't do anything with it. So what we very much hope that you have taken away from this podcast is a few ideas to try out in your classrooms, wherever they may be in the world. And you definitely got me thinking about lots of points and lots of issues around ELT. Teachers can always do that in their, you know, work and with other colleagues. It makes their profession more enjoyable and it makes their classes more interesting for sure. Exactly. Uh, with that, I will say farewell, Wayam, and, and good luck with your future studies. Thank you, Chris. That's it. Thank you for listening to Teaching English with the British Council. I've been Chris Souten. And we am Hamdan. Goodbye. Goodbye. Teaching English with the British Council Series 2 is hosted by Wiam Hamdan and Chris Souten. The producer is Elizabeth Dyer. Executive producer, Chris Dyer. Salsan Abu Kara is the Arabic language consultant. I feel uh, very pleased that Oksana said that it doesn't matter what clothes you wear as a teacher. That, that's very encouraging to me, William. What do you normally wear, well, Chris? Well, I mean, I think you can see what I'm wearing today and I'm not sure I would get a, an A grade for the clothes I'm wearing at the moment. Thank God it's all Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I feel bad for you. You're going to listen to this again. <laughs> Before we go, we'd like to draw your attention to our listener feedback survey. Tell us what you think of the podcast, any improvements we could make or any topics or themes of teaching English that you would like us to include in future episodes. A link to the survey is available in the show notes and on the British Council website. 
teaching English with the British Council.